had a few times now, and the, the part that gave me chills and still did this time was the music gets loud and all of the little angels that you see in the sky. I don't know. I just never visualized it just like that, and, and who knows exactly, but man, what an awesome night uh, we've come to celebrate. Um, it's Christmas, guys. It's, it's here. <laughs> Christmas is here. The, the day that so many of us have been thinking about and preparing for Christmas is, is finally here. And I'm sure that there are a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different places where minds are right now, especially you kids. You know, anyone under 10 at this point, could you be looking at me, you know, just for a moment? Like, I used to be less than 10 too. And I remember the Christmas Eve service, which actually, when I was a kid, it was the one that I had to sing at. And hopefully I remembered all my lines and all those verses and all that stuff. And I remember the entire time thinking something that you might be thinking right now is like, what am I going to get for Christmas? And so we think about presents, right? You know, we think about presents on Christmas Eve, and and I wonder if I'm going to get what I asked for, and I wonder if it's going to be as awesome as I think it might be. I wonder if it's going to be worth the wait. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) Presents aren't always worth the wait. And I have an example of that from personal experience. So I'm a child of the 1980s, and for a boy in the 1980s, there was a lot of things that uh, were popular, but two of them were big wheels, and, and big wheels are like the, you know, the, the cool version of a tricycle, because a, a boy would not be caught driving a tricycle at a certain age, but a big wheels is okay. And the other thing that was popular were transformers, which were the, you know, a lot of you, all these things come back, right? But these little cars or whatever that turn into robots. Well, in the mid-80s, Big Wheels and Transformers came together to produce the Transformer version of Big Wheels, okay? And so there was a a Christmas Eve like this in the mid-1980s where I did not listen to a word of my dad's sermon, because he's a pastor, but instead was thinking all about this and wondering if it would be something that would get to open that night. And I had been hinting at it, and I had been praying about, can you pray about big wheels? I don't know. I, I think you can pray about anything, right? Um, and I was, I was hoping for it, and lo and behold, go home, unwrap stuff, and the Transformers big wheel was there. And I thought this was just awesome. What could be better than a big wheels that turns into a robot, right? Well, Let me show you how this Big Wheels turns into a robot. So here's the Big Wheels in Big Wheel form, okay? Now, let me show you Big Wheels in robot form. All right, that's that's about it. Um, And, you know, it's the mid-'80s, so technology isn't quite a word yet. I mean, and, you know, it's the day we're in age where you had to use your imagination. But even imaginations, I mean, come on, really? I mean, if, if you didn't catch it, because I know it was a big change. Let's do a side-by-side here. Okay, so here's regular big wheels. Here's robot big wheels. And I'm like, this is a big wheels with a sticker face on it. This is not a robot. And I was, I was totally disappointed. My expectations were here, and the results of what I got did not meet them. And I, I got to Christmas, and 
I was disappointed. Here's a truth that has to do with Christmas, but has to do with lots of areas of life, that a person's reaction to something, whether good or bad, whether happy or sad, is often influenced by their expectations of that thing. So whatever expectations we have for something will definitely influence our reaction to it because we always react whether it met our expectations or not. This is true of big wheels. This is true of football teams. This is true of marriages. It's true of life. It's, it's true of everything, that your reaction is going to be influenced by your expectations. Now, here's the problem then with Christmas, is that there is not a day or season of the year where there are more expectations than Christmas. And there's expectations in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different areas. There's expectations about the gifts, young kids under the tree, and whether they're going to meet your expectations, whether they're as awesome as you thought they would be. There's expectations, parents, for how our kids will act at church or at grandma's house or at the next grandma's house after the first grandma's house, you know, and, and that they better behave, you know, expectations. There's expectations about the family gathering and who's going to be there, and maybe a little bit of who's not going to be there and how people are going to get along. There's expectations for the food and how it's going to taste. There's even expectations about the feeling we're supposed to have when we're sitting in a lit room like this. And, and a lot of times we don't even define what that feeling should be, but we know it has something to do with warm fuzzies in the pit of our stomach and that everything is right in the world. And if everything can't be right in the world, then at least everything should be right in my world. And there's so many expectations for this season and for this day. And if our expectations were centered around the things that I just shared I guarantee you're going to be like, that's just the big wheels with the sticker face on it. Christmas will never meet all those expectations, and you'll get to two days from now and wonder, what was all the hype about? So what do we do? Should we lower the bar? No expectations for Christmas, and then I cannot possibly be disappointed. You know what? What I actually want you to do is I want you to raise the bar. It might mean changing the bar. It might be changing the expectations. But not for a second should we lower our expectations of what Christmas can and does mean. But instead, we, we raise it to a place where it absolutely brings exactly what we need. So I just read from Luke chapter 2, and we ended with the angels going back to, to praise God and to worship Jesus. Um, Luke 2 continues just two verses later, and it's 40 days after Jesus was born. We're going to spend some time right there, two verses later, 40 days after Jesus was born. On Christmas Eve, there were a bunch of shepherds who were totally surprised that Jesus was born, totally surprised that it was, in essence, Christmas. Forty days later, we meet a man who wasn't surprised at all that Jesus was born. In fact, 
He had been waiting for it, and he knew that it would be coming soon. So Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, had traveled about 10 miles from Bethlehem to Jerusalem for a very normal Old Testament custom. They went to the temple to give a gift to God in thankfulness for the birth of their firstborn son. And while they were there, they had a conversation with a man. Again, 40 days after that first Christmas. We read from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was a good man. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So now just a little bit about Simeon. Um, He's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. He's not a very influential man in the sense of religiously or even, you know, um, politically. He was just a regular guy like you and me, a regular guy with a really strong faith in God. And it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What this means is in the midst of the very difficult circumstances that the Israelites were living in, the Jews were living in in Israel, he was waiting for God to show up. He was waiting for God to make a difference. He was waiting for God to console Israel, to help Israel, to comfort his people. And not only was he waiting for that, there was a very specific thing he was waiting for too. Look at verse 26. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Did you catch it? I mean, pretty amazing promise. In essence, what God had told him was this. You won't die until you have a chance with your own eyes to see Jesus. That you, Simeon, are going to be a man who gets to live to see the one that has been waited for for centuries. You're going to see Jesus with your own eyes. And so 40 days after Jesus was born, we read in verse 27, moved by the Spirit, Simeon also went into the temple courts in Jerusalem. And when the parents, that is Jesus' parents, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. And so Simeon, moved by God, was in the temple courtyard the very same day that Mary and Joseph brought 40-day-old Jesus to the temple. And you got to understand something. The temple courtyard is a very busy, loud place. There's lots of people, lots of kids, lots of commotion, but somehow, somehow, God led Simeon to the right couple with the right child. Verse 28, and so Simeon took Jesus in his arms. Now, something tells me it wasn't quite that easy, and what I mean by this is this. Have you ever tried to take a 40-day-old baby from a mother? Like, it's not just, okay, give me your son, right? I wonder how this exchange went. Did Mary make sure that Simeon washed his hands first, or did they have to do some sort of background check, or, you know, was there some sort of almost a little bit of tugging on Jesus? I doubt that. But somehow Mary felt comfortable giving her her brand new son to Simeon, and, and, and Simeon's now holding Jesus in his arms. And my question is, do you think 
Simeon was disappointed with that first Christmas? My question is, do you think that that first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, met Simeon's expectations? If you're not sure, let's hear it from Simeon himself. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In essence, if you were to call me home to heaven today, I'm fine with it. I'm going to leave this place in peace. Verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light, Jesus is, for revelation to non-Jews, to the Gentiles, and the glory of Jews, of your people, Israel. Was Simeon disappointed? He sang. Now just think about that for a moment. Simeon was happy about Christmas, and I guarantee you that when he went home that night, there were no presents under a tree. Simeon was so excited that he sang when he saw Jesus that first Christmas, 40 days afterwards, and I guarantee you there wasn't a perfect tree up in his house, and his kids didn't have Christmas outfits on, and there wasn't Bing Crosby singing White Christmas in the background, and it wasn't the perfect Christmas in the way that we think about perfect Christmases, but Simeon was so happy. Why? Because my eyes have seen salvation. You know what Simeon was looking for in the birth of the promised Savior? Help. Rescue. A Savior who would come to take care of Simeon's sin so that no matter what happened for the rest of Simeon's life, he would know that he had confident hope for eternity. And, and as Simeon held baby Jesus in his arms, he, he probably knew very little about the details of what exactly Jesus would do. He, he probably didn't realize that Jesus would have a three-year ministry <laughs> in which he would travel all around Israel and he would, he would heal people and he would, he would feed people through miracles and he would train 12 men to carry on the mission of the, the message of Jesus. And he probably didn't realize that, that Jesus' main message would be all about God's love and God's grace and... <laughs> He didn't realize maybe that Jesus would be a magnet for people who felt disenfranchised or who had no hope, that those people actually gravitated to him because he had something to share with them that would make a difference for them in a world and in a culture where most people had no time for those people. And as he held baby Jesus, he probably had no idea that less than a mile from where he was holding Jesus, that 33 years from then, he would die innocently in the worst way that there was to die, by execution on a cross. And even though he didn't know all the details, and some of us tonight maybe don't know all the details, what he knew was that Jesus had come to take care of sin and to right 
make right his relationship with God. And so Simeon sang, and he praised God. In fact, he had a gift to take home. Let's go back to verse 29. Oh, let's talk about the bar. So if you're expecting a Savior at Christmas, you'll never be disappointed. And I guarantee you that Savior is a whole lot better than any other gift or any other feeling that you're looking for this Christmas. But when we expect a Savior, we'll never be disappointed. Now for Simeon's gift. Sovereign Lord, he said, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon was able to leave the temple that day with peace. And of all the things that you could take home with you, my friends, that's what I would like you to take home tonight is peace. Freedom from worry. Freedom from anxiety. Peace that only God can give. You see, we are constantly trying to find peace, but here's the thing. Most people try to sort of address their outward circumstances, and so then after addressing outward circumstances, that then maybe that will influence the peace inside. And so um, if I'm not feeling at peace, well, then maybe I just need to stop watching the news, right? Because there's always bad stuff on there. And if I just start, stop watching the news, I'll feel more at peace. Or just surround people, me with people that I like or that like me. I need to get rid of all the people in my life that, um, you know, are difficult. And then I'll find peace. Or, or how about this, parents? If we just put a ban on Kids getting sick in this house, right? No more illness, no more sickness. If we can just make everyone healthy, then there will be peace. And of course, no one that I love die, all right? No one die. (laughs) And if that can happen, well, then there will be peace. Throw in a bubble bath, a scented candle, and some meditative music, and you got something, right? Uh, Or not. Finding peace inside by addressing the circumstances outside will never work. It may work for a day or a season, but it will never bring lasting peace. But at Christmas, what Jesus did is he came to take care of sin inside so that we might have peace not only inside but outside too in spite of our circumstances. Here are some things that I know about you and I haven't even met all of you. I know that there have been times in your life where you've wondered about God. You've either wondered whether he exists You've wondered how he could be good with the things that you're going through, but you've wondered about God. I also know that there have been times where you've wondered about whether you're good enough for God. And part of the reason you wonder that is because there's something else I know about you. At least it's true for me. 
is that I'm not as good as I try to make people around me think. That there are things that I think or attitudes that I have that, that only I know, that I live with, and that aren't as good as what I'd like people to think of me. And that sort of compounds my feelings when it comes to my relationship with God sometimes, because not only do I know this, but he does too. And if we were left there with these big concerns and these big questions, there's no way that we could go home with peace tonight. But Simeon was able to go home in peace because of this. Because when Jesus came, he fixed the relationship between him and God and that it no longer depends on what we do, but only on what Jesus has done. And he didn't promise to get rid of all of the difficult circumstances in your life, but he did promise that when you have peace with God, that you'll be able to get through them. He promised that you can have peace even if someone you really loved is not here with you this Christmas. You can have peace even on the day that someday God will call you home to heaven. That's the gift that God wants you to take home this Christmas. So in just a few moments, we're going to close this service by singing a couple of really familiar songs about the night of Jesus' birth. Um, One of them is Silent Night. It goes like this, you know, it's Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. Here's my question. Have any of you been to the birth of a child where all was calm and all was bright? I mean, where did, where did this, this writer get these lyrics from? I mean, Christmas, there is no way that it was calm or silent. There's a lot going on. <laughs> we got a nine-month pregnant woman, traveled days, right? And she's got no place to lay down, even though she's in labor. She's no place to stay. This isn't a calm night. This is not silent night. What? (laughs) Finally, Joseph finds a place to stay. Honey, I found an animal shelter. What do you think? (laughs) Thanks, Joe. He's moving straw, shoveling manure. I don't know. He's trying to get things ready for his his wife or soon-to-be in labor. And it's not a quiet, silent night for Mary. She's in labor. It's not a silent night for Joseph because he's playing the part of sheep herder, manure scooper, and OBGYN all at the same time, okay? And somehow, when I understand or think about the reality of the first Christmas, it makes me feel a little bit better because that's a little more relatable to my life. The chaos and the busyness and the stress and the 
worry. We're not going to change the lyrics tonight because they are still absolutely true. It's not silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright because Mary was calm that night when it come, she was in labor. It, it's not silent night because everything is perfect in your world. It's silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright because everything now through Jesus who came to live and die for me is calm between me and God. And when things are calm between me and God, it can be calm in here. Because the worst thing that could happen is I die, which is the best thing. So you better not lower the bar this Christmas. You might need to change the bar. But not for a moment do you lower the bar. You raise that bar exactly where it's meant to be of Christmas expectations, of peace that transcends all understanding, of peace between you and God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love to send your son, even though you know it would cost him dearly. Thank you, Jesus, for living the life I can't, for dying the death I deserve. Lord, I can't wait to see you again, to see you someday in heaven. Please be with us and bring us peace until that day. In Jesus' name.